The Bear Essentials Podcast gives older bears a place to gather for real talk regarding topics and issues that they can relate to. Here at The Bear Essentials, we aren't just having conversations. We are looking to provide actionable intelligence through real-life experience and expertise of our guests. Our mission is to build a strong community that elevates and motivates people to go beyond their limiting beliefs by helping them realize that getting older is not an excuse to hibernate on their goals, but a reason to work harder. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Charles Wallace. Today's guest is a former UK paratrooper, a special forces support group operator, a Royal Army Physical Training Corps instructor, and also the best-selling author of Red on Revolution. So please, without further ado, let's jump on into my interview with Mike Chadwick. But first, a word from our sponsor. Wolfinger Consulting, experts who have achieved real results for their clients, including complying efficiently and successfully with overwhelming discovery orders, passing difficult third-party security audits, and deploying bleeding-edge technology platforms to control and preserve corporate information. Let them show you what Wolfinger Consulting can do for you. Be sure to check out their webpage at wolfingerforensics.com. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Thanks for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure to be here, mate. Hope you're well. Yeah, doing well, Mike. Um, just actually... Uh, I am in the process of listening to your audio book, uh, so I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, really liking what I'm hearing, some inter- interesting stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of the UFC, so I was really into your uh, little talk there with Tom Aspinall on the on the audio book, so that was cool. But I won't go any further. I'll let you introduce yourself to the audience. Okay, yeah, so my name is Mike Chadwick. I'm a former paratrooper, special forces support group operator, and Royal Army Physical Training Corps instructor. I subsequently left full-time military service a couple of years back now to take on full-time coaching, uh, where I created my own business and then subsequently became a little bit of an entrepreneur and wrote my first book and became an author uh, last year. Yeah, well, you're doing some really good stuff. And, Mike, I, I wanted I, – I was really interested in having you on because, you know, I I have a lot of guests on that are in the space of mindset, physical fitness. And, you know, for me, being in my 50s, I like the one term that I saw when I was reading about you and I wanted to get into it a little bit. You talk about creating tactical athletes. Mm-hmm. What what's what's the difference what it what do you consider a tactical athlete and and your training and your methods what are they what are they geared for so very similar to a sporting athlete so i coined this term many many years ago and the reason why i was so passionate about it is i was developing soldiers at the time and i wanted them to have the consideration that i didn't want them to just think of themselves as soldiers i wanted to think of themselves as athletes go one step further a tactical athlete the tactical part of it is just the organization in which they um, uh, operate in. So that could be a police officer, a firefighter, soldier, etc. And the reason why I wanted them to treat themselves like athletes is because in the sporting world, if we get it wrong, we just lose. We lose points, the loss of pride. Where if we get it wrong in my world, we die. Someone gets hurt. So the need was there. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to instill this level of, um, you know, 
optimism. I wanted to instill this level of, of you know, endeavor to be better than who they used to be in order to operate better on the battlefield. And, and that just transpired. And in the end, I ended up writing or signing off quite a lot of the, the programs within the military. I was one of six of the brains traveling around, upskilling everyone and making sure that, you know, we was developing as a unit, as an army. I've delivered presentations to every defense attaché in the world from the work that we've done over here. And, and the reason behind it is because I switched their minds from thinking like a soldier to thinking like an athlete. What would an athlete do? How would an athlete put that in the body? Would, a, would an athlete hydrate in that way? Would they go out drinking in this stage? And I wanted them to think of themselves like that and development went through the roof. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think it helps. And I want to get into it a little bit further when we when we move on is about how we can translate that a little bit to just, you know, I'll say average, average guys, average women, how we can make that happen. Wanted to start there about the tactical athlete reason I did that because I wanted to kind of get how from your career and from your start, what led you to that kind of path and and that whole mindset of the tactical athlete yeah so i i was um in the parachute regiment at the time and i wanted to go on special forces uh selection ultimately something happened whereby i ended up being posted up to catrick uh, where the parachute regiment trained on his power revs depot which i had completed uh, many years before and when I turned up, I was then a physical training instructor. So at the time, I was told I couldn't go on special forces selection for a year. So I had to basically be a PTI for a year. And I thought, well, I'm not sitting still. I need to develop myself. So I got myself onto a degree of coaching. And at the same time, what I realized back at Catrick, we were still doing the same thing that I did you know, five years earlier, six years earlier. And I was thinking, surely times have moved on here. So as I was going through uni, I was doing my degree. I was learning and learning more. I was now, I was studying every single night. So I was taking all the theory side of uni, applying it into a practical setting every single day to up to 200 soldiers. And my knowledge and experience was going through the roof. And that's when I started realizing there's a, there's a better way to do this. There must be an easier way to do this. Now, prehistorically, everything in the British military or everything in the military across the world that I've found is that People need to fall in line with the program. So whatever that looks like, we fall in line with it. And if you don't, you get spat out and you, you fail power of depth, for example, or you just don't develop. Now, remember going back to the development and how important it is. It's not a loss of pride. It's a loss of life. So I was thinking, why don't we flip it? And why, don't, why doesn't the program suit the athlete? And that's where I started going down the route of individualization. Let's not take out team sports. Let's not take out team cohesion. We still need to do things together but we can apply a little bit of individualization across every, every spectrum of that development. And that's how it started. It started um, from a mishap that said there as a PTI. And then all of a sudden I fell in love with the process. I fell in love with um, understanding people's bodies and how to manipulate them and getting the best out of people. Pass rates were going through the roof. Um, fast forwards four years and I ended up tripling the parachute regiment pass rate, probably the highest since World War II. Um, Fast forward a few years later, I now have the highest pass rate across every arduous course in our country. And it all comes back down to individualization, understanding the athlete and making a program to fit them. The aim may remain the same from the commander's intent, but how we get there should be different because we are all uniquely different. And that's how it started. It started with 
it started with a thought and it transpired into action. Yeah, and Mike, listening to your audio book, um, one of the things that jumped out at me right in the beginning of it, you, you had a little section in there, and I liked how you come across because you're pretty you're pretty firm about it about making these agreements also with yourself, and it sounds like a lot of what you do. You talk about individualization. Is there a lot of it? in the mind also where you got to get them to have their mind focused and right before they can even attempt it. Will, will you take them on if they don't seem right? No. So my opening chapter in the book is find your why my opening conversation. Whenever I take an athlete on, we go from an athlete screening process is I want to know why you want to achieve this. Why? Because if your why is strong enough, then you'll outrun, you'll outwork everybody. And, and that's all I'm after at this moment in time. So any sort of athlete, I'm not, so I do work with the elite. Um, I get that. So a lot of things I can say is, is, is very elitist, but that's not to say I work with just the elite. I work with everybody and it all starts with understanding who you are right now and coming to terms with that, which can be quite scary and being honest with who that is, but more importantly, why you want to go and do something better. An example of that would be the reason why I joined the army was to put food on the table with my little sister. So that is why I was one of nine out of 65 originals who passed Pyro Depot at that time, because no one was beating me, because my why was too strong. If I didn't win, we didn't eat. Simple. Who's going to beat me at that? And all I had to do was then ensure that I was above the threshold and the physical standards and survive. And that's what Pyro Depot is all about. It's ruthless. It's why it has one of the lowest pass rates you know, across the country. It's ruthless for a reason, because we need to create strong and able paratroopers to do whatever we possibly need to at a moment's notice. That's hard to train for without having that psychological outlook from the start. This is who I am and this is what I want and this is why I'm going to do it. And that's really powerful. The moment you get that, I go, I'm in. I'm fully in on that. And you have to be fully in as well because I am ruthless in the execution of winning. All I want to do in life is win. So for a lot of people, they don't need me in their life. As you can probably tell, I'm quite passionate about this stuff. I'm too much for them. But if you want winners and you want to go to that next level, then I can be your best asset but we've got to be fully on board with each other in order to go and achieve that. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. I wish um, maybe speaking personally here for a minute, I, I wish I would have come across someone like you probably three years ago when I was embarking on my life change. Cause uh, I ended up meeting someone similar, not the same, but similar to you. And that's, it's what I needed. I needed, I didn't need to be coddled. I needed somebody to be in my face basically and not allow me to, quit on myself and make excuses while I built up enough to be that and not quit on myself. Um, Mike, have you experienced anything working with, you mentioned about working with elite. Have you, have you found anything by working with, I'll call just more of the average person that you've been somewhat surprised about that maybe you didn't expect that they would be able to do this and they, and they may have surprised you a little bit. Well, training competency dictates how fast we have gains. And a training competency, training experience, training age, et cetera. So when I work with the elite, we're chasing the stress and we're looking for half percent gains, minimal, minimal gains, because they're peaking, they're at a biological tipping point where we're looking at very small gains and we celebrate them and they're incredible. And if we can get 1% in an area, that's fantastic. But what I find when I work with who people who, who are not the elite is 
the gains happen much more quicker. Um, they have acute gains really, really fast. And then obviously we then get to a plateau, we reset and we go again. But what I find is that, and I had this the other day, I had a guy in, so I own a testing facility over here and we basically test elite athletes all around the world. They fly in to get tested and we can write a program off the back of it. So everything's actionable data. And I've started to bring in normal guys and girls. And we had two of them in last week. And one of them has already been training with me for about four or five months. And I took him on because his wire was very strong, as I mentioned before. I didn't even consider anything physical at the stage of taking him on. And... He pretty much, he almost broke down in the gym talking to me about how he could, couldn't sit on the toilet six months ago. And now he felt that his life has completely tran transpired into this. He's now training and testing in this elite performance center. And the way that he was articulating, the way he was telling me, I was like, holy shit. I was like, you know, this is powerful. This is more powerful than working with guys getting into the top five of the UFC or people on the Tour de France or whatever it looks like, this is what it's about. People going in special forces all around the world. And I'm thinking, this guy's got my heart strings here. And I'm thinking, that's what it's all about, this guy. And it had me straight away thinking, I need to do more of him. I need more of that because I, what we can do here with our team is incredible. Mm. We can do that to normal people. We need to do it more. And it's something I am looking at. Um, especially from a charity point of view as well. We're looking into something now where once we are sustainable, we can obviously, our families are getting fed and then going to go and outreach and start get working with people who need it more than everyone else. And that's the plan moving forward. And we have, a, we have you know, full of doctors and exercise rehabilitation instructors now work under my team, accountability coaches, data analysis, and the team's growing and growing and growing. A lot of people can, can take the huge benefit from that. And, and, and it was this guy who said it in the gym and I was thinking, wow, that is, if we can do that, you know, what else can we do? How far can we take this? Mike, I, man, I was getting chills actually listening to you say it just because I'm, I'm somewhat thinking of myself, but I was, I, I asked you that because already talking to you, seeing about you, I was, I was really thinking about that. Like, man, this is the kind of guy, and I said it about myself, this is the kind of guy that I think more people need someone like him because of your approach. And I think there's a lot out there of it's more that coddling approach. And I think the way you base it in science, but the accountability, the why, I think that's, that's really strong. Um, talk about this too. You kind of start to get into, I'll call the more human element of yourself, the emotional side of you. A part that I had listened to and I thought was really interesting, and um, I've somewhat experienced this myself because my son is a MMA fighter. You talked about how when you train Tom, but being in the arena, the O2, when he fought, can you walk us through that experience? Because it sounded like that was tough, tough for you to be in there while that was going on. Yeah, so most of my athletes, um, so whenever someone comes on board from an athletic point of view, we have to have an aim. We have to have something to work towards. Well, a lot of people come on, they come onto the, the, the coaching screening call and they explain that, uh, hi, Mike, I'm not too sure what I want. I just want to get a little bit fitter. I'm, I'm not your guy. I'm out. I'm not your guy. Um, here's, here's a list of people who I think you should go and have a look at, but I'm not your man. So everyone who comes on board, it's all about it's aim specific. I need to know who you are and what you want to achieve and why you want to go and do it. And then we'll run at it. I'll run through walls for you to go and make sure we hit that. And I hit target. 
Most of those are my biggest demographic are British paratroopers, Royal Marines who want to go on UK Special Forces selection, and the same that's across the world, whether that's in the US, Australia, New Zealand, etc., or around the around Europe. People who want to go on uh, special forces. Now I can't be there with them whilst they go on selection. So what I normally do is we normally train extremely hard. We 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 reflect all the time. We're talking to each other every day. And then what I do is I do competition, the start of selection, and I send them on the way and they go and complete it. We stay in touch whilst we're on like on certain phases where we can help them from a nutrition point of view, from an exercise rehabilitation point of view. But ultimately, what I do is I get a text at the end, most times, saying, Mike, thank you very much for your help. I'm in. Done. The aim's done. And we go through what's known as the secret athlete code of conduct. They don't tell anyone they work with us. We don't tell anyone we work with them. We train in silence. We win in silence. And we do it for us, perpetual growth. And we do it as a team. We go and win. That's what normally happens. So I don't then go onto social media and go, look what we did, or talk to math and say, look what we did. It's business. We hit the aim, we move on. I'll speak to you in a year time when you hit really come up with another aim. Now, Tom was different. So same details, secret athlete. No one knew I was working with Tom. Um, no one knows the, the people I work with. It went out on social media um, and mainly through the book, which was absolutely fine. You know, it, is, it, it happens. He wants to be out there anyway. Most The reason why I blanket secret athlete is because most people I work with can't be spoke about. Tom's different, obviously. He needs to up his image. That's part of being a sports personality. Um, so watching Tom's aim unfold in front of my eyes is something that I don't normally do. So sat in the arena, oh my God, it was, you know, and I'm thinking we've worked so hard. The same, exactly the same process is, you know, the same same thing has happened. We've, we've worked on weaknesses. We've harnessed strengths. We've gone all the way through. We've got him to this moment where the lads have gone on UK Special Forces and gone off that way and they're, they're, they're working hard. At a similar time as well, by the way. So this is happening at a similar time. But I've sat on the front row seat watching Tom now, sat behind the other members of staff, um, his head coach, his cup man, sat there watching him come in. I'm thinking, oh shit, <laughs> this is this is a this is a bit real. And I thought, you know, imagine if he gasses out in like the first round. His coach is just going to turn around and stare at me. And I was thinking, oh my god, this is nerve wracking. So it was a lot different now. But what I got from that was so powerful, and I was thinking, I want more of this. It was like. I don't know. I've never taken a drug in my life, but I could think that's what a drug would feel like. That that initial spark of emotion, endorphins flooding through my body. I was thinking, "Wow, you know, this is this is big. This is really big." And and then obviously when he won, it was just the celebrations were incredible. And, you know, and it's powerful. And then I've been there as well when he was lost, when he had took his injury, and it's the same detail, but the absolute opposite. It hurts. It's like in the moment, it's bad, and it's like. Shit, is that my fault? And I'm, I go straight through, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm out. I take my I take my mates there as well, and we go out and make a night of it. Um, but when he lost, that was it. That was me done. Back to work straight away. I'd, I'd been having a few beers in the arena. I was thinking, I'm done. Let's go back to room. Need to think about what's happened. How can we make it better? And we can we can ride the success. We can be very powerful. We can live in it and love it at the moment. But we at the same time we need to embrace that loss as well, and we need to go and figure out a way that we can make that better. And we win together, we lose together, and that's that's what it's all about. But in that moment, is one of the most surreal yet powerful things I've ever felt in my life. Um, you know, it's 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 incredible at that moment, just watching it unfold in front of your eyes and seeing all that hard work, and I've seen the blood, sweat, and tears he's put into everything, and watching him do things that are 
a little bit faster than last time, or he's got more in the tank going into another round. It's just it's just incredibly powerful to watch it unfold. Yeah, well, I mean, myself with my son knowing a little bit about the sport. I mean, Tom, Tom's a freak, and I kudos to you, you guys, and anybody has worked with him because he's he is an impressive uh, athlete and individual. So definitely kudos there. Um, so that's the you know that's the higher end. You know, have you ever got some type of feeling from that again? maybe one of a, no a normal, more normal person that, you know, maybe it was five pounds, maybe it was 10 pounds, whatever it was. But have you ever felt that way just by like knowing how much of a difference you made in someone's, someone's life that maybe wasn't an elite athlete? Yeah. So we get, we get wins every single day. We get messages and calls expressing how good they feel or what's happened. And we get that all the time. And, and, and yeah, and it happens, but, it's never in the moment. I'm never there when you don't see the whole weight loss journey. You don't see the whole performance spectrum because it's done over such a long period of time. I think the difference that what happened when we worked with the MMA guys and, and Tom in that moment was it's happening within 10 minutes. The whole thing's happening. It's like, that's where you see the outcome where everything else is, a, is over a long period of time. And I think, and I think the same could be said about, you know, guys in football matches or you know, basketball matches or whatever it looks like watching your, fruits of your labour and fall in front of your eyes over 80 minutes or 90 minutes of football. That's powerful. It's incredible. It's there. It's right now in front of your eyes where most people I work with is over a prolonged period of time and then they go off and they compete the rain without me. Um, and, you know, and I think that's, that's the difference. It doesn't... So I still get that. I still get the same buzz whether a guy wins a fight or whether we qualify for the Olympics or whatever it looks like. I get the same buzz when a guy comes in and... and the lad who I said about the gym the other day saying you've changed my life. Same thing. I'm like, this is powerful. It's incredible. It's the same feeling. Every single person that walks through the doors of here or comes onto our coaching, I treat them like an athlete. Remember I told you about the top. Because I don't have clients. I've said this many times before. I don't have a single client. Everyone I train is an athlete, whether they're from sporting context, whether they're a businessman, whether they're just a mum at home, whatever it looks like. From this day forward, I'm going to treat you like an athlete and talk to you like an athlete. Because have a guess what they start becoming when you start breeding that into them. An athlete. Straight mm. away, they start thinking, eating, sleeping, hydrating like an athlete. And it becomes this powerful psychological tool that when you start thinking of yourself like an athlete, you grow quickly. You start, you know, the, the, the baseline raises significantly and and I think that's a very powerful, powerful turn to, to utilize. So speaking like that about thinking like an athlete, let, let's jump in a little bit to what do you, what do you think differentiates you and your approach? Maybe some of the more specifics of it that that sets you apart and why why people want to work with you. Well, I like to think I'm different because first and foremost, I don't care about scalability. I care about winning. I individualize training to an inch of its life. And the reason why no one else does it is because it's not efficient. It costs too much money and too much time. You can't scale it. And that's why no one else does it. Um, I care about athletes. I care about the way they win, which again is very different where people care about the top line. And that's just the nature of the beast. And I get it. There's, there's, I get it. Put food on the table is the most prime primary thing that you can possibly do in your life. That's why we go to work is to go, I've got two babies, go and put food on the table for them is my primary concern. 
I'm fortunate enough in a position whereby I can now envision that that's happening, that we're successful businesses to allow that. So the first thing I do when I get into work is athletes first. So individualization is paramount to optimize human performance. Most people don't do it because it takes too long to do. So that's 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 one of the things that makes us completely different is that we individualize training to an inch of an athlete's life to ensure that they can go on and win. And the second part is probably um it's probably the modality of selling that on. So you look at you look at PTs and coaches and social media is is to blame for this, is that what they'll do is they'll put out a thousand programs out there with zero qualifications. You've got a load of followers and they look really good and they'll put out They'll give a thousand tickets to a thousand people for a, for a certain program, generic program, sell it off the shelf. And what they'll then do is two people may just align with that because their biology says that they can fall in line with that. Same as the army model as I utilized earlier. They'll then sell those two people only and ignore the 998 to another thousand people. And they'll bring them on again and they'll regurgitate it. And what they'll do is that another five people may fall in line with that and sell the five and so on and so on and so on. This model will grow. We don't sell anyone. We don't care what social media bias looks like towards us. Word of mouth passes around the military very quickly. So I'm happy in that modality whereby we can go, we have the highest pass rate across every arduous course. I'm not going to tell you how I did it because it's different for every single person. But we do. And we do it because we care about athletes. We take on minimal people to ensure that they have my utmost attention, to ensure they have my nutritionist's utmost attention, my rehab instructor's utmost attention. Everyone is fully pulling whatever it looks like to win and that's that's the bottom line is that we care about winning which means we can't scale it and now from a business point of view people listening to this going and i get it all the time make you stupid why don't you just sell you know there's i've got a social media profile out of a hundred thousand people on why don't you just sell a one-stop shop program and you'll sell fifty thousand of them tomorrow i can't do it i just can't do it well i think that's commendable and i I think that's what set it. Yeah. I honestly, I think that's what set you apart. I mean, just looking at your website, you know, the book, you could, I kind of got that impression and I, that was, it, it was intriguing to me because, you know, I, I agree with you. You see that out there all the, all the time. Um, the other thing I noticed and I, I wanted to uh, talk about a little bit and give a bit of a shout out. I mean, it looks like when I look at your website, um, plug here, mikechadwick.com, um, it looks like you're doing a, it looks like you built a really, really very professional, strong team around you. Um, how important is that? Because I was looking at, um, I'll be honest, uh, when when we were going back and forth to schedule this, you had copied somebody else on the uh, invite. And me just opening it up, I was like, oh, I guess this is Mike's you know, assistant kind of thing. And then I look on your website. And I see that he's actually a very highly qualified individual. So apologies, apologies to him. But I wanted to jump into that a little bit. What what about your team and what they because it really seems like they're extremely high, high level and high end individuals who are involved in this with you. First of all, what we'll do is we'll shout out Gary. He's uh, he is one of the most qualified person in the world. But what we'll do, we'll, we'll cut this part I've just said, and he is my PA. Let's call him that and we'll put it out there and make sure everyone knows that he's my PA. Um, <laughs> he'll love that. He'll appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so growth is a team project. We know that in every facet of life, from a business point of view, from a team point of view, you're only as strong as your weakest person. Um, and I'm a very fond believer of staying in my lane. 
I know my qualities. I know my qualifications. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm bad at. So what I'm bad at doesn't help my athletes. So I need to bring someone in to help them. Um, so one of those was Dr. Ash, who's our full-time nutritionist, former commando, airborne. You know, he's worked with some of the most elite forces in the world. He's now got a PhD in performance and nutrition. I then got Gary, who's former lead on lower limbs at Headley Court, where all our injured soldiers go as an exercise rehabilitation instructor. He's a Guinness World Record holder. Um, I then have a team of accountability coaches, paratroopers, and a team of data analysis to surround me and help me. And and that's one of the reasons why we do have the highest pass rate across every arduous course in the country. It's because the team's stacked. It's unfair. You can't compete with that. And that's now transpired into we're opening up the first tactical athlete performance centre in the country, whereby we have some of the most elite athletes, some of the toughest athletes in the world, women without weapons, come through these doors, surrounded by this incredible team. And what happens when we bring an athlete on is we invite them into our team, which is why we have to understand that we're on the same wavelength, which is why the initial questions are psychological-based. What is your reason behind this? What are you willing to go and do? I'm on board with that. Welcome to our team. And we do it together. We win as a team. We lose as a team. We win as a team. And they're straight in at the team. They have access to all coaches and we drive performance through the roof because we're there to do it together. And so that's why it's really important to build that strong team around you. Yeah, well, it really looks like you have. And again, Gary, ap- apologies. Um, but I will. I might got cut that. Don't part. apologize. Do not apologize. He's my PA. <laughs> I will definitely cut this out and we'll, uh, I'll send it to you. You can Gary, Gary will be even more upset with me, but no, it's, uh, it's really amazing stuff. Mike, have you, have you found, and I was curious about this, obviously what you said is very powerful in the beginning about in your line of work. There's a lot of times it's not win or lose. It's, it's life or death. Um, have you seen the athletes that you're training to, get into special forces and then some of your, you know, professional athletes, UFC, football, whatever the sport, what's, what's similar as far as their physical skills, but then have you seen, you know, and their differences and and the same psychological, have you, have you seen any, you know, similarities and differences that you're able to exploit might not be the best word, but that you're able to look at and go, okay, now I have something that I can start to, transfer across more people yes um we haven't got the actual numbers but we're working on it so what we're trying what i hope what i think you're trying to get out there is find trends that we can move across so we're very data driven as a, as, as a company um and we're always looking for that i wish to god we could stick a number on if this guy hits this back squat he has a 90 percent chance of passing parachute regiment depot that'd be be incredible that's what we we try to do um but there isn't we've seen all sorts of walks of life past arduous courses who can't back squat anything and then those who are the strongest in the world fall down the biggest hurdle one of the key differences one of the things that we ensure first and foremost we have we have a three-step pathway to passing any sort of arduous course we stay the course and we do that for a foundation strength. We're not looking at what it takes now to pass or to win or to et cetera. We're just looking at building the foundation strength to first and foremost ensure your body doesn't break down. Again, there isn't a specific specific number on that. All that is, is that we build a foundation strength to ensure that whatever gets thrown at you, you can call upon any component of fitness, you can give it a good go and your body won't break. 
priming. That's the first thing we do is ensure that the body doesn't break down. We strengthen around the joints. We look at what the most common injuries are on the said course, and we ensure that it never becomes a problem. Great. We've nailed that. We've nailed the basics. We've now got great habits, nutrition strategies in place. We're very strong. The body won't break. Then what we do is we look at, now we know how to stay the course. Can we pass the course? What does it now look like in order to pass? What does an athlete normally look like in order to pass this said course? So again, we're looking at trends. We're looking at what it takes. Now what we do is we, we test them to ensure we understand the current ability. And then we find a way to go and make sure that they pass the course. But we don't settle there. I'm not happy with that. We Now we know how we can stay. We know we can pass. Now we need to look good doing it. We don't just want to stay and pass. We want to win. I want winners to be walking through this door. So now what we're going to do is we're going to push on and push on and push on. And confidence is inflicted through data, through positive outcomes. When you win, you get confident. So we make sure they're looking at winning all the time. Perpetual growth. They test against the old version themselves. They go and retest and they, they compete against the old version of themselves. That's what's known as perpetual testing. When they win, sparks confidence. We've treated them like an athlete, sparks confidence. So we ain't just staying. We ain't just passing. Now we need to go and destroy the field. What does that look like? So now we then just drive it forward through the roof again, adding more psychology into the mix by saying, we ain't there to make the numbers up. I'm not there to just get there. I'm here to win. I want winners. We drive that. And, and I think that's what we're looking at. So we are looking at trends. We're looking at benchmarks. We're trying to figure out. I also own a tech company where we can, I have a series of algorithms that the commander, it, it's utilized in the military context, um, where we can build trends in and, and say, there's absolutely zero point in this guy passing special forces selection because no one's ever passed with the metrics this guy's showing. That's something we're looking at doing right now. Um, and we just need more data, more time, ultimately. But we're looking into it. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, in my in my actual job, I I'm in healthcare data analytics. So what you're talking about there, really, um, you know, I probably have a whole other conversation with you about that. I would probably be really geeking out over over data, but that that's really really interesting. Um, Mike, I want to kind of end on this. Um, what you talk about the physical. There's always the the saying nowadays about, and maybe not just nowadays, it's been out there, but your mind will get you through anything. Um, in your experience and what you do, I I believe that's a point, but I, I like and I feel like what you're doing is more is more authentic because I think, yeah, you could have the strongest mind, but if your body's not up to at least on par, it's not gonna work. How do you how do you feel about that? The whole concept of your mind will get you through anything. I disagree with it. I don't think that's I don't think your mind will take you through anything. Listen, there's uh, one of the chapters in my book is, is called Willpower Comes Last. And you had these guys around the world, David Coggins, et cetera, telling you about how you can push through absolutely anything. It's a load of shit. And the reason behind that is that your mind will go as far as your body will take you. Your, how much willpower you rely upon depends on how, what your physical competency looks like. So if your, if your body gives out one mile into a 10-mile run, You've got nine miles to allow your mindset. And your mind's, in fact, the muscle. You've got nine miles to allow your mind to come and take you through that. Now, you could probably you could probably do it. Can you sustain it? Can you do it again? Where if your body doesn't give out until the ninth mile, then you've only got one mile to push through. Now, we can live with that. We can work with that because we can do that again the following day. We can sustain that model. But willpower is a very, is a facet of development that I think is very undervalued in the sense that 
A, it can be extremely positive, but B, it can be extremely negative if you rely upon it because you can't, it, ha- it has, it doesn't have the same, fun- it doesn't have like, it's not ongoing, it's not forever, it's not, it still has to give out at some point. Your mind will do the same as any muscle within your body and it has a limit and it's limited by the physical capacity within your body as well. So I think they both go hand in hand, but I concentrate on the physiological side of life. We don't leave it up to chance. We physically can go and achieve it. And when things go wrong, like they do, and they always do, or when you get tired, that's when we train the mindset. And we can do that. And we do train that. We train mental resilience. We train willpower. We push people through barriers that they've never seen before once the foundation is set. But we concentrate on the physiological side of life to push willpower as far right as we possibly can. So when if someone's delving into their mindset and their body's giving out five miles in, but you don't give out until eight miles in, you're going to win every time. So it's really important that we push mindset as far right as we possibly can. So we start this journey with mindset, your why. In the middle, we look at the physiological adaptations we're required to go and hit any aim. We work extremely hard to develop every facet within your body. And we finish with willpower. We finish as far right as we possibly can, push as far to the end as we possibly can with the mindset again. Like bodies give out. Now let's see what you're capable of. And we can train that and we do, but we don't want to we don't want to delve into that until the last possible moment. Yeah, that's um, you know, I again during my own journey, I started to kind of realize that, you know, I, I went into it thinking it was my mind. I my mind, I want to get through anything. And I and I and look, I'm not even ashamed to admit it. I found out really quick that my mind could get me a little further, but it wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to go. I needed to develop other areas. So, well, Mike, I really appreciate your time today. And I'll I'll just end on saying this. I think what I see with you and your team is that you're really not leaving anything up to chance and you're trying to prepare for as much as, as you can. And I think preparation is such a big deal in all facets of life so so i think you guys are doing an awesome job on i you know i hope when people watch this they start to take some things from it that they can translate to their to their own lives um i just want to give you a second to uh you know i specifically mentioned about your book but i wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of plug your book your title what it what it's about that kind of thing all right thank you very much mate yeah so you can you can go and download the book um we've got a 12 year, 12 year, 12 month um, exclusive deal where it's audio only. Uh, that deal ends next month. So we can then go into the hardback and paperback, et cetera. But you can get it on Audible. You can get it on pretty much. Just Google it. It's called The Renon Revolution. Um, it's it's my philosophies on coaching, encapsulated with podcast style chats with some of the most elite athletes around the world, from special forces to UFC athletes to the world's strongest brothers. And we're delving into what makes them different and how that is applicable to everyday people. And it's a really powerful way that you can get across. You don't have to listen to my voice for, you know, seven hours, however long. You can, it, it gets split up because psychologically speaking, it people want a different voice every 40 minutes. That's exactly what we do. We've studied a lot of psychology in there. So it's a different voice. Hopefully telling you the same story that this is what you need to go and do in order to be a better version of who you used to be. And it takes you through that journey. And you get... At the end, there's about five hours worth of bonus material where you can listen to every podcast across all of them um, from some of the lads that, you know, we've got delved into business after being special forces to one of my friends who got blown up in Afghan and how he then became a Paralympic champion. Um, 
and the journey that they go on are very, very similar. And you'll be able to find uh, benchmarks and trends within the both of them. Yeah, well, I'm enjoying it a lot. I have it on Audible. Um, so that's where I downloaded it from. Uh, I also like the little PDF that you uh, uh, like pops in there with it. So well well done on, on all fronts uh, to you and, and your team. Um, well, listen, Mike, been a pleasure. Uh, I was really, really super excited when you uh, said, hey, let's jump on and do this. So um, listening to your book and then getting a chance to jump on here today has been a real, real privilege for me. So thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And everyone, thanks for thanks for listening. And please check out Mike's book. Uh, you can also find Mike on MikeChadwick.com. I'll make sure to have all this information in the show notes to make it easy for you to access. So thanks again for listening, everybody. Take care. Bye. This has been The Bare Essentials. Thanks for listening. And remember, never hibernate on your goals. 